most folks take a lot of things for granted. What I really wanted was what I had left behind, to move home and then come back and sell my area to the world. I couldn't have asked for anything more than that. You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 62, The Arrow of Life, featuring Shelley Johnson. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. Thanks for tuning in to Find the Good News. I'm excited to share today's episode with you. I had the opportunity to speak with Shelly Johnson, who recently retired from her role as the Executive Director of the Southwest Louisiana Convention and Visitors Bureau. Shelly served Southwest Louisiana for over 30 years. She's meant a lot to me and countless others in our region, and I think once you get to know her through our visit, you'll see why. Next week, I'll be sharing my conversation with Darren Paul Hanks, the artist behind the 1221 Studios Art Drops. Darren and I have been friends for over a decade, so when listeners start requesting that I get him on Find the Good News, I had to make that happen. He's a good man with a real heart for helping others through creativity and listening, and I think you'll enjoy listening to him. We had two live episodes last week, and they were a lot of fun. One of the live episodes featured Daniel Schumacher, the editorial director of Louisiana Cooking, and the editor of Taste of the South, along with Chef Lyle Broussard of Jack Daniel's Bar and Grill of La Berge. They visited the Parker Brand Creative Services studio to talk about the upcoming Southern Cast Iron Cook-Off that's taking place at the Lake Charles Civic Center on November 1st and 2nd. Head over to your favorite podcast app and check that episode out. It was a lot of fun, and if you're into cast iron cooking, you'll really dig the Live Wire Challenge. This week, we are kicking off a new line in the Find the Good News brand called Find the Good News Beacon. For the past year, we've focused 100% on broadcasting Southwest Louisiana stories to the world. With Find the Good News Beacon, we'll be visiting with individuals around the country and the world that are doing good works and then bringing those stories right here to you. Our first interviews are happening now, and I'm excited to see the good news signal boosting. Okay, it's time to put on our travel caps, take the role of a tourist, take the roof off, and let the warm sun beam right into our hearts as Shelly Johnson takes us for a ride down memory lane. Now, press play on a little good news. There are people that change your life in profound ways, and yet many never really know that they had such an impact. For me, former executive director of the Southwest Louisiana Convention and Visitors Bureau, Shelly Johnson, is one of those people. This year, Shelly retired from her position after 30 years of service to our region, leaving behind a legacy of positive growth in travel and tourism that will be felt for decades to come. In my professional circles, her name carried weight. Working with her and her team meant something to those with whom I took meetings. In a professional capacity, my team and I have been honored to have been trusted by Shelly Johnson and her staff to create enticing and attractive adverts, each designed to bring visitors to our area. As much as I respected her professionally, when I asked Shelly to visit me on Find the Good News, my intentions were very personal. You see, for all these years of working with Shelly and her team, I've never had the opportunity to visit with Shelly one-on-one outside of the tour and travel environment. If you listen to this show often enough, you'll understand that I was more than a little curious to know her story. What I discovered in my visit with Shelly was a kindness, a passion, and a great love for this region that she calls home. 
In her 30 years of travels, from meetings with public figures across the entire spectrum and to places one might long to see, Shelley always felt the grass was greenest right here in Southwest Louisiana and that kindness is embedded in our culture. What I discovered in my visit with Shelly is that she was tailor-made for this incredible job of extreme hospitality. The trajectory of her childhood on into her adult life pointed her squarely at the role, providing the skills, training, and expertise needed to build the Southwest Louisiana Convention and Visitors Bureau into the entity it is today. If you've been to any event in any of the sister cities that make up our region, then you've been impacted by the arrow of Shelly Johnson's life. She was kind, honest, thoughtful, and so giving in our conversation. With the tone of every word, I could tell that she truly enjoys sharing the wonders of our home. It's not hard to find echoes of Shelly Johnson's service in Southwest Louisiana. I believe her lasting legacy will be the transference of her general perspective on our area. Her infectious conviction is that not only has Southwest Louisiana seen great days, but it has even more glorious days yet to see. Wake up, it's morning. You're dreaming up a story I can hear. The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep. On the path to your deliverance and a holy wall of light. Old news, bad news, fake news. Sometimes you just want to shut it all down and get no news at all. With Find the Good News, I aim to change that by focusing on good people doing good work. I visit with artists, educators, civic and spiritual leaders, musicians, business owners, students, volunteers, and everyday citizens who are using their creativity, resources, and talents to bring hope and happiness to their corner of the world. In each episode, I dig into the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have street-level conversations about relatable things going on in their lives, discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that are anchoring them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of news in the world. My name is Orrin Parker, and I'm gonna find the good. I love you just as well. So, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is going to be great. I've uh, I've been wanting to have a conversation like this with you for a long time. Well, me too. I it's really exciting. Have. It's a new world for me. Yeah, I me mean, us too. You know, we. It's funny with the things that you think you're going to do with your career in life and, and what you end up doing. And some of that comes from just exposure to other things, right? I mean, exactly. you're around different things. And we, after many years, started realizing, you know, we do a lot of signals for a lot of people. But when you start to search your own heart and your own desires, you go, well, what would we do if it was just a signal that for us? What would that look like? You know, we'd never really done that before and so that's how we kind of gave birth to this podcast and it's really taken i say taken off i mean by by some people's standards maybe no but i mean i never am short i never have a shortage of guests and never a shortage of good people that are actively doing things in the community there's a lot of good things happening in the community there really are and good people it's exciting yeah i mean every guest leads to another guest and every there's there's it's such a wide um wide spectrum with people that are serving the community in just various ways. If there's a need, there's somebody 
in this area doing something about it. That's that's what I've you know just seen in the last year. Honestly, just to tell you, you uh, so tomorrow is the actual anniversary of the show. We will be one year old tomorrow, and you're the first interview of what we're calling the new season. Perfect. I know. I'm excited. <laughs> I know. I was so thrilled that it worked out that way. I was like, oh, and I get to interview somebody I've been wanting to talk to. Not for just a long I'm time. watching the new season on television, but I'm I am the new. You season. You are the yeah. new season. That's actually true. I've told Michelle that. I said, wow, it's so cool how things have lined up that way. But. I have questions, you know, I always write questions down for each guest, but the conversation sort of becomes its own thing. But I have so many questions, Shelley. I mean, so many things that I've just been curious about over the years. You know, Ask away. Okay. Well, I'm just going to get started. So for people that are listening that don't know, you're the recently retired director, executive director of the Convention and Visitors Bureau. 31 years. 31 years. Wow. So that's that's really where my questions sort of begin as I was meditating on that. And over the last few days, I thought, okay, 31 years, I can look at just the last five years of my life and see like huge changes. And if you look at your life in those little chunks, you're like, wow, just in a few years, things can just really shift. You you add that up for 31 years. Well, you're getting into a time zone where I'm a kid. Right. I mean, I'm 14, 13 years old. If you're going back 31 years ago, I'm trying to go back into my memory banks and go, okay, when I'm going to Lake Charles, do I remember what the Convention and Visitors Bureau looked like 31 years ago? And so my question really is, was there a Convention and Visitors Bureau 31 years ago? It was a Convention and Tourist Commission. Okay. Lake Charles, Calcasieu Parish, Convention and Tourist Commission. Commission. Now, okay. you know, in promoting things, that's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. So, right, right. a lot of times it was shortened to the Tourist Bureau. And, yes, it was an A-frame building just um, two doors down from where the current Convention oh. and Visitors Bureau is. Okay. Located presently um it's uh was on the other side of wildlife and fisheries it was okay. an a-frame oh it's not there anymore not though. there anymore okay. thank goodness it was termite ridden and um had a trailer in the back because we had expanded our staff to that point okay and it had a porta potty out front for the handicap wow and it was um not the most impressive Thing that a visitor would see when they drove into our area to get information. Okay. A lot of times those visitors were also business people who were looking around. Yeah. So we had been working for quite a while to try to get a new location. We knew we wanted to stay on the lake. And in 99, Mayor Willie Mount, Mayor at that time, yeah. Willie Mount, worked to allow us to be on the property we are on now. It was formerly the old... DMV. You didn't even get your driver's license yet at that yeah, time. Yeah, no, I wasn't driving. No, no. But anybody that had been driving at that, wow, you so know, earlier than that, were, that's where they went to get really? their driver's license. I didn't know that. Before so that's they what... moved. And so uh, it couldn't be used for private enterprise. It belonged to the state. And she was able to work out a joint services agreement. And we were able to build the building. And uh, we've been there since 99. And that's 99. hard to believe. Yeah, I know. That is uh, hard to Believe. And it's still state of the art, you know. I believe it, when people walk in, they're always so impressed with the uh, facility and the view when you walk out on the back patio and everything that you can see and the brochures. And then 
We took it another step further in 2000, and I guess it was 15, and built Creole Nature Trail Adventure yeah. Point on this side of the river, on the sulfur side. Yeah. And as the gateway and trailhead of the Creole Nature Trail All-American Road, and at the same time, it is also a visitor center yeah and services this side of the river well that that's kind of what i wanted to talk about for a little bit you know your average citizen and i and i say this from firsthand knowledge that people sometimes will when i tell them that we work with the convention of visitors bureau they say what is the convention of visitors bureau and i go oh that's right not everybody really fully grasps it your average citizen doesn't realize how many times they actually are engaging with something that the convention of visitors bureau is supporting right i mean i go to festivals events all these things adventure point they don't maybe put it together that that's one of the uh satellites helped create a lot of events yeah um, Way back in the day, we helped get the Christmas lighting festival started, uh, the Gumbo Gator Tail Cook-Off, because we wanted to promote alligator meat and alligators here, downtown at sundown. That's another <laughs> one. I mean, you know, and yeah. then we turned them over to groups that um, were nonprofit and that were able to take them on from there. We didn't really want to be in the event business, but we do a lot to help seed yeah. and help uh, events get started. Yeah. Well, here in Sulphur, Boudin Wars is like that, Boudin correct? Boudin Wars is like that um, as well. Yeah. So, you know, I when I look around, when I go to events now, of course, I always look at the, the sponsor banners, you know, and so I look at that a lot of times and I'm like, wow, almost every single event that you see, the, the Convention Visitors Bureau is actively involved in some way. And then also the grants, right? Right. We have um, the CVB was one of the first in the region to start an arts tourism partnership back in the time when Pam Bro was the executive director of the Arts Council, and now she's on a national level. Yeah. And she and I worked together to create an arts tourism partnership grant, and that was the, the beginning of it. And then the Tourist Bureau took it from there and went on to some larger grants for major events that are room night generators, and uh, from that came the Sports War Chest, you know, with all mm-hmm. of our sporting events and... You know, it just goes on and on. The Bureau is very friendly to the community in terms of helping, helping start events, helping, you know, they have to be, usually the grants are used for marketing and and development. You know, it's it's a very good program that has been created and has grown uh, immensely since the time Pam and I started the, the little, little project. <laughs> that, that's wild to think. So how do you, I mean, this is going back, so how... How do you, what's your path to that door, all right, to, to that, I mean, granted, 30 years later, what you've accomplished is just incredible, but that, that first path to that door at the Convention and Visitors Bureau, or the commission, like, how do you get there? Well, we did change the name to Convention and Visitors Bureau in the legislature. I'm thinking that was around 94. Okay. But it's need. I think you, as a Convention and Visitor Bureau, you are the marketing organization for the area you represent. In this case, the CVB uh, represents the entire parish, six cities. And you look, and, and what do we need? What do we need to have more visitors come to town? Food is a major experience for visitors here. 
I mean, in addition to our great Southwest Louisiana hospitality, really wonderful venues, the food here is one of the things, food and music are things that people want to enjoy while they're visiting. We are funded, or the CVB was funded, and still is, by a 4% hotel tax. So our goal is always to bring visitors to town and have them spend the night. Or if they're passing through, they're spending money, you know, whether it's on gas or whether it's, you know, shopping. Uh, The visitor is the key word here. So what are the needs? And that's where things really begin. And, you know, if I look at the sports war chest and um, a good friend of ours, uh, Tab Fincham, who was on our board at the time, uh, said, well, you know, we ought to have a grant for sporting groups to have seed money mm-hmm. to, to bring them here. And so out of that board decision, you know, we've been able to bring some of the best sporting events to the area. And then look at our venues. Yeah. We had that venue and then the need was to fill it. And right. so you've got Spar, you've got Ward 3, you've got Burton Coliseum. It goes on and on. Yeah, and it with, keeps expanding. And it keeps expanding. And the sports marketing has been, I'm just so proud of the guys at the Bureau for all they're doing. They're making the paper daily yeah. with uh, all sorts of things that they're bringing to town. Yeah, things that uh, we PGA, just... PGA, yeah. uh, boxing, uh, USA Boxing. Um, they're just going after it. So it didn't stop when I left. Right, you know? it's still going. It's still going, definitely. And, and I'm so proud of them. Well, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, we, we see that stuff, too. We get to touch some of that. Absolutely. And uh, it really kind of blows my mind whenever you see the amount of events and the variety that are taking place in this region. And I, it, it's almost kind of hard to wrap your mind around. When I tell people, you can't go do everything. And like, oh, there's, you, hear, you still do hear people say there's just nothing, nothing to, do. to do. And it's just not true. I mean, when you see the amount of events that you could potentially uh, link up with and get into a weekend. In, yeah, just a you know, weekend. On one weekend, there's literally across the parish tons of things happening. Yeah, and you can change. We a few weeks ago, or a couple, maybe it was even a week ago, you know, we went and we did a walk in the morning, and then we went to an art show in the afternoon. You know, and then there was something else that evening and you go, that that's a lot to do in one day. Yeah. And you can do that every weekend now. <laughs> really. And it, it's just grown and grown and grown. Yeah. And when I say back in nineteen eighty eight, did we have all of that? No. No, we didn't. That's not. what I'm very curious no, about. No, we didn't. What not. did it look like in nineteen eighty eight? Very different. Very different. We didn't have casinos. Yeah. We had, you know, the biggest hotel that we had at that time was the Hilton on the lake. The Hilton on the lake, yeah. Which is, you know, now a a beautiful piece of property. Yeah. And hopefully something wonderful will happen with that. Yeah. Uh, And then, uh, you know, you still had the old Chateau Charles. Right. uh, That's right here in Sulphur on 90, right? Right here in Sulphur, famous for its food. And then you had a few museums. And that is when I think you could legitimately say... There wasn't a lot to do here. Yeah. And then the festivals took off. You know, I mean, we primarily had Mardi Gras and the contraband. Contraband days, days yeah. Uh, and then look at all the things that have happened on both sides of the river with festivals. Yeah. The Isle Rabbit Festival, you know. Yeah. 
the, um, I mean, for every out letter of the alphabet, practically, we have a festival that'll match it. Yeah. And it seems like more and more eyes are turning to our area for that. I mean, you're seeing new stuff all the time. One of the, there's so many things that exist now that I think it's easy to take for granted that you were on the front end of. And one of those things you mentioned, it was the Creole Nature Trail. You know, and I, again, I have to go back to my, my child's mind. You know, I'm, I'm thinking around 1988. And when you're, you're, you're bringing that year into the picture, I'm going to go, how old was I in 1988? And I'm probably, you know, 10, 10 years old. So your awareness of what's going on in, in the world at 10 years old is pretty low. You know, it's whatever your parents are watching on TV. Yeah, or you're not, going to Holly Beach. Holly Beach. That was, you know. Well, and that's a cool, and right there. Okay, that's a good point. Now I understand, oh, I'm on the Creole Nature Trail. Yeah. When I was a kid, I didn't know, was there a Creole Nature Trail? Was there a designation back In then? In 72. Okay. Uh, a group of individuals that basically were a tourism committee for the, from the Chamber of Commerce. And the CVB was created a little while after that originally so we took over the marketing of the creole nature trail but it was called uh it was a uh, a scenic highway in louisiana it was designated by the legislature as a scenic highway that allowed it to have signs uh creole nature trail uh, much different than what we see today sure and then uh in 94 A little bit before that, we heard about a program with Federal Highway Administration called the National Scenic Byway Program. And we jumped on that and uh, applied to be a National Scenic Byway because we were already created as a scenic highway. It made it a little easier for us. We were one of the first 14 roads in the United States to become a National Scenic Byway. First, you had to be a state scenic byway, then a national scenic byway, and then 2002, the next and the you know the final designation was All American Road, and that's basically a destination to itself. The main reason you're going down that road is to tour. Okay. And uh, so we're very fortunate that we became one of the 41 roads in the United States that are designated an All American Road. And I'm happy. I know it. Sorry for interrupting the conversation, but I have something I need to tell you about. You may or may not know this, but this podcast is produced in the city of Sulphur, Louisiana, one of the sister cities that make up Southwest Louisiana. All of my childhood memories are wrapped up in the city of Sulphur. It's my home, and it's been a good home for most of my life. There is a growing diversity of unique businesses, services, and events in Sulphur, each with a rich and colorful story to tell about their particular place in this little jewel on the west side of the Calcasieu River. My mission is to promote good news, to put a positive signal out in the world. That's why my team at Parker Brand Creative Services has created the new brand, Sulphur Today. Here's how it works. Post your Sulphur event, service, photos, videos, or information using the hashtag SulphurToday. That's it. My team and I will scan and curate those posts through the social media platforms we've put in place. Before you make your post, just type hashtag, that's a pound sign for the folks that don't know what a hashtag is, and the words Sulphur Today with no space. My team at Parker Brand is monitoring this tag right now, and they're ready to create positive digital curb appeal for our city 
by sharing all the very best Sulphur has to offer through the Sulphur Today social media pages. As the Sulphur Today project grows, we will be scheduling interviews and video sessions with businesses, events, and services so they can tell their story of Sulphur Today in a series of ongoing micro-documentaries. Look for the eye-catching Sulphur Today sign when you're out and about. And be ready, we may be stopping by to visit you for a photo op. And don't forget to stop by the Parker Brand Creative Services Studio in Sulphur to grab a Sulphur Today decal for your vehicle or business. We want people visiting our area to know that they can find all the wonderful things we have to offer with ease and be a part of our history by utilizing the Sulphur Today pages or by searching the Sulphur Today hashtag. Do you want to help us tell the story of Sulphur Today? Here's what I need you to do right now. Visit and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sulfur today. And be sure to share positive sulfur information and post often using the hashtag sulfur today. Now, back to find the good news. Now, what does that mean exactly for people that don't know? I mean, what does it mean to be an all-American road? Well, there's only 41 in the United States. Do those are they connected in any way to each other? Are there like a could someone potentially make their way around? I guess to to see all of these and like uh, not have to not you know, jump not, ship somewhere. No, no. <laughs> okay. But it's sort of like uh, someone who enjoys lighthouses, and I yeah. want to see every lighthouse ah, in the yeah, U.S. Okay. Uh, there are 41 of them. I mean, to give nice. you an example, Route 66 is an all-American road. Okay. So Natchez Trace is an all-American road. The Highway 1 is an all-American road. Huh. And the Creole Nature Trail. I like uh, that, what you said there, and I never... And I'm actually glad we're talking about it. It reframes that for me, what that means, that it's like if someone who likes lighthouses and says, I'm going to make in my life, I'm going to see all these lighthouses. I could potentially see someone saying, I'm going to fly to this destination and then I'm going to rent a vehicle and I'm going to drive these roads. I'm going to do this as part of a hobby or a, a desire. Off the beaten path. Yeah. People don't want to travel the interstate. The interstate looks the same. I 10 the you know all along the way the corridors you've got you know restaurants you've got hotels you've got shopping centers you've got gas stations but people want to utilize those services but then they want to get off the beaten path and see the real real southwest louisiana right we're very fortunate in the fact that we have three national wildlife preserves on the creole nature trail so even with development there's those areas that will will never be developed yeah that's pretty good it's very it's very important to you know how we became an all-american road yeah i it makes me think about my own traveling habits and i I'm always curious what in your experience in 31 years what do you what do you think has been the heftiest draw for the traveler i mean i know at first in the 80s there wasn't a lot maybe other than outdoor sports i mean i know that was always been huge in southwest louisiana creole nature trail has always been up at the top really uh even you know as it was proceeding to its top designation it was one of the major promotions that the cvb did along with the historic charpentier district we had a, a, a historic district on the national register we had a state park Park, San Houston State Park. So, you know, we were promoting all of those things. Yeah. And then in the mid-90s, we got casinos. Oh, yeah. And a lot of things changed. We got some really important resort 
type hotel properties with golf and restaurants and top name entertainment and so you had another part of that marketing mix that really became the top of the of the heap in terms of drawing visitors to the yeah. area and then Creole Nature Trail and but you know people want to still when they're here with maybe staying at the casino resorts they might want to get out and go see some some nature while they're here yeah so it just depends well i think about that whenever i I talk to travelers a few months ago i've told the story a couple of times on the show but because it's related to this podcast but i happened to be having coffee at stellar bean in lake charles and nicole and i were there between some meetings and we were taking a little coffee break and there was a couple that had they had just moved to town i mean like they had just moved in and they really didn't have their arms around southwest louisiana yet and at that moment when i I was eavesdropping i couldn't help but eavesdrop because they were talking to the person behind the counter and it was a younger person behind the counter didn't have a lot of information for them and I just couldn't resist it because I, I felt like in all these years of working with the Convention Visitors Bureau, I had been blessed to happen to have information for them. And so when they came by the table, I said, hey, I said, I couldn't help but overhear that you just moved here. And they were like, yeah, well, we're just trying to understand more about the area. You know, and they told us where they'd moved. And we ended up having a 45, 50 minute conversation. And I felt like I worked at the Convention and Visitors Bureau because I was going, oh, they trained you well. Oh, yeah. I was like, there's this and there's this and then that. If you go there, this is connected to that. And it was just this whole. How proud we are, you know, of all yeah. the different things that we have. I think that uh, you're. You know, your knowledge of, of certainly working with us, but it's good to show that Southwest Louisiana hospitality. and For sure. To the visitor or to a new neighbor, uh, what is there to do here, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it made me realize what I hear when I go out of town sometimes. And I'll like, you know, last time I went to Colorado, you know, you you go and you sort of gush over. You say, oh, I went up to Lily Lake and it was so beautiful. And then the person you're talking to goes, now, where's that at? And I'm like, it's like 10 minutes from where we're standing. And they're like, you know, and I live here. (laughs) I live here. I'm like, I I guess I've never been up there and I'm going, and you're stunned by it, but they're just kind of ho-hum. And it made me realize how often I do, I do that very thing here, too. And so many of us probably do. We settle into it. It becomes norm. Like how many people that I talk to and when I, I go, oh, Adventure Point, let's if we can jump to that subject. Especially here in Sulphur, people with kids especially. I love talking about Adventure Point. But when I tell them, they're like, yeah, I've seen that place. I'm like, yeah, the one with the big alligator. They're like, yeah. And I go, you, have you never stopped? And they go... Well, I just guess I didn't realize. I mean, I know it has to do with tourism. I'm like, you need to go in there and bring your kid, and they're going to be blown away. And I think it's sometimes as locals, we just don't fully connect the dots to what's sitting right underneath our nose. And I think the CBB is always trying to get that word out, not only on a on a domestic and international level, but a local level as well. I know that they have begun to do, a, a, over the last year or so, a full-page um, article yeah. in the American press to yeah. show the different things that the Bureau is doing. It's a constant education process, but uh, I think it's also good for people uh, locally, you know, to tell friends and family, and, yeah. you know, and to when you've got guests that come in, bring them by the CVB and pick up brochures and, yeah. you know, see what we have to offer. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes me think about that going back to that coffee shop conversation and then what you just said there, having a, a working knowledge of what's going on in your community, even from a, just an entertainment level. 
or things to do, if you want to call it what's what's to do, you you become an ambassador for your area. You know, we we talk about that quite a bit here about curb appeal. You know, it's so important to have curb appeal, and we don't all have it. We don't mm-hmm. all take mm-hmm. that approach. But if you have curb appeal on your lips too. You know, not just literal curb appeal, but like, well, how are you speaking about your home? You know, when you're talking to people, the value of that, you know, I think that's super important. I think the CVBs are a resource for that. Absolutely. In a way. National Tourism Week is always what I always enjoyed. Yeah. And that's another way every year that they really try to, you know, put the word out to the local community about the importance of tourism and its economic impact. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is an economic indicator here. It's, a, it's big business. And uh, I'm so excited that Suella is opening a, a hospitality yeah. uh, a travel and tourism program and a new building. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, that was something that was not available back in the day when I went to school. And, uh, you know, when you're trying to figure out what you want to do in life, and I think tourism was sort of in my blood in a way because I worked at a small motel when I was going to McNeese. I worked weekends. Really? So it was, um, if there would have been that opportunity for me then, I think that would have been a natural move for me. Yeah. And uh, instead, after McNeese, I had the itch to go live in the big city and move to California. Did you? Okay. Now we're getting into what I really want to talk about. This is, what's Shelly Johnson's journey? Oh, well, it was a long one, but I spent about five years in San Francisco with the same property. I worked for a hotel, a historic hotel. Okay. And uh, a lot of people in destination marketing have a start in the hotel industry. I didn't realize that. So, um, you know, going back to your selling hotel rooms, you're, you know, so in either way, if you're working in a hotel, you're selling hotel rooms. If you're working for a CVB, you're not only marketing the area so that you can promote the hotel industry, you know, that's yeah. kind of where I got my start. Isn't that interesting? I didn't When you said that. curb appeal, it's a beautiful place to live, but I missed home mm. and I missed mama Yeah, and, you know, and it, it I missed the food. There's Can't nothing like it. it. There's right. nothing like it. And so about five years later, I moved back and came back here to the lake area and went to work for the Chateau Charles. And Really? Then in 88, went on to the CVB. So. Wow. So that's very interesting. So I didn't realize that's how you got yeah. the, the, the hospitality. Yeah. And it's, in, it's you know, I'm, it's ingrained. Uh, no matter what I do in life, it'll always have something to do with the hospitality industry. Yeah. And is in that something future. that's always been around in your life, even when you were young, like a little girl? Yeah. Was that something yeah. You... It was. It was. My mother managed a, a hotel, motel on uh, Highway 90. Really? When I was growing up, and so that was uh, for a little while. So it kind of, we used to play on the switchboard, you know, with the. (laughs) (laughs) That is so fascinating. fun. Have you told a lot? You tell there's no, a lot. I haven't. You're pulling some stuff out today. Man, that's so fascinating, (laughs) Shelly. I love that. I mean. We talk a lot about that kind of thing on the on this show because it it is interesting when we start to talk about things like that. How. Our trajectory. Yeah. You know, we get on a path and we don't even know we're on yeah, it. Yeah, we don't even know we're on it. And this little momentum starts building and it's like, the, we, yeah, we're, 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 we're going our own way. But at the same time, there's this momentum of almost destiny that's sort of building behind you. And when you tell me those things, I go, that 
that is your arrow. Yeah. You know, the, the string. Did I know it then? No, but. No, but look at that. So, I mean, I wonder what else along the way, like, you know, that, that, that's in your path that goes, oh yeah, this was definitely like the bumpers in the pinball machine keeping me in this sort of this stream. There were a few things, probably certainly the hotel I worked for in California, um, their market was tour groups. Uh-huh. And so they would have eight to ten motor coach tours a day. Wow. And so I was able to learn that market. Uh-huh. Then I moved home, and we didn't have any tour. I was, like, looking out the window. Like, where are, like, where are the buses? <laughs> <laughs> There's no buses here. Right. I thought the buses were everywhere. That's so funny. You know, and uh, it was corporate. It was corporate and convention. So, and that was another market to learn. Yeah. So, you know, there was that path of learning this and learning that and not having the the opportunity anywhere else to learn but you know learn on your feet and yeah learn. all of that plays right into everything yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. the organization's doing today yeah. that's so fascinating i i don't have a lot of experience in that i did for a very very short time when i lived in colorado i worked at an, a historic hotel and i enjoyed it i, I talk about it all the time the main thing I enjoyed was the variety of people I got to meet you know the job itself was not glamorous but it was you know I got to I go to the train station and I pick people up in the van and you know on the drive from the van they would say things like and I wasn't from there, mind you, but, you know, right. when you live in a place you and then work in that industry, you start to pick the knowledge up. And so they would go, so what is there to do? And I remember feeling kind of uh, maybe it was just a little ego thing. I don't know. But it was like, hey, I'm, I'm their guy. <laughs> and it was yeah. something fulfilling yeah. about that. Yeah. Like at this moment in time, this little half dozen people I've just picked up off the train. I'm their guy. They're they're looking to me to know where things are at and you know granted they'll they, they'll forget about me when they get in their room and move on but it was every day there was somebody a new little crop of folks there was something rewarding about engaging with strangers in that way absolutely yeah. of all nationalities and you know yeah that's what was so amazing and and still is you know the bureau is constantly bringing in domestic and international travel writers tour operators uh, meeting planners to look at the area firsthand you know they call them familiarization tours okay and so we're the guide we're the ones that are taking them around and showing them what they can do if they bring a group here so in just another way it's it's that same thing but on the the level of trying to get them to book business here yeah so i guess that's another thing that maybe the uh the average layperson may not realize is going on you know it's sort of like grooming to Mm -hmm, some degree mm -hmm. you know i think we tend to think of chambers that way and that and in a way what you're describing it does kind of fit into that sort of role like a a, think about a site like a chamber might have a major developer come in for a site inspection and um, we work very closely with the chamber but it it is very different and a lot of folks confuse the CVB and the chamber you know they don't understand the difference between the two but the the CVB is tourism development and tourism marketing so that's the primary difference yeah know, whereas they're going after everything from in- industry um, look at all of the LNG and the things that have happened um, across the river you yeah. know and down Cameron Way yeah so that that is something that uh, a lot of people had their hand in from maritime to the chamber 
and you know it's an important thing that's happened for the area. Uh, we take everything that the visitor can do and see, and we market that, and then we all work together, which is what it takes yeah. to be able to promote. Well, I mean, just you saying that, I mean, I'm thinking about all the different, just the cities that you have to work with and the leadership in each of those cities. I mean, and then beyond just that, the current leadership, you're talking about changing administrations many, many times. So you're bringing in new teams and you've you've seen that cycle over and over again. There is so much change coming up. Uh, politically, I think yeah. there's six or seven new police jurors that'll be online. And yeah, the legislature's changing, and local politicians. You know, uh, it's yeah. that's the part I don't envy. <laughs> <laughs> right, I like the fun stuff. Yeah, what is? What's, I mean, this is probably a hard thing to answer, but in all these years, what do you consider the funnest thing that you got to do over and over again in your role? I would say it would be uh, the fam tours and bringing people to town and showcasing the area and our food yeah. and everything that we have to offer. I think that's... Uh, and then the the second thing is uh, we have a really great team at the CVB. Oh, yeah. And folks don't realize that we bring conventions to town. We bring sporting groups to town. We market the area. Well, how do we do that? We advertise in in magazines, publications, social media, billboards. Different languages. Oh, yeah, six or seven languages, (laughs) you know, in order to facilitate that international visitor. And then we handle 3,000 visitors a month at the visitor center in Lake Charles and, you know, 1,100 or so at the uh, facility in, in Sulphur. Wow. So they don't realize how many components there are at the CVB. And I would say there's something about everything that we do that I enjoyed. I loved working on marketing. I yeah. loved looking at new stuff yeah. and, and coming up with new marketing plans and new programming. I loved our visitor centers and what we could do for the visitor downstairs. Uh, at the CVB, it's a two-story building. So, you know, I often look over and just watch and see how the visitor was being taken care of. And, of course, they were doing it in a, in a wonderful way. You know, so there was something about every single thing that we did, even accounting. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. The accountability. So. Yeah, that's something that I find that I think of often now. And I don't know that I always would have if I hadn't have had a relationship with you and, and your team and the CVB. When I do travel and I stop to use the restroom and have a cup of coffee and look through the brochures, it's in the past, you know, a decade ago, I may have just stopped and went along my way and not thought any further. But, you know, when I do stop at one and I go to the counter and I have a question, I'm always looking around because I said, you know, behind this one little tiny 15 minute experience is a whole army of people potentially mm-hmm. doing all the same things that are going on here in Southwest Louisiana with your team, with, you know, those folks. And the it ad just, might have brought them in. 
Yeah. You know, the billboard might have brought them in and then just help seal the deal or the people downstairs right. telling them more about the things that they can see and do or answering their questions on how to get here and how to get there. And certainly with the interstate issues that we have today, certainly how to get here and how to get there. Right, right. <laughs> Which way to go. Yeah, for sure. I mean, having somebody with a working knowledge, yes. an intimate yes. lay of the land, you know, yes. I, I, I love that. Uh, the tour map was always uh, an eye-opening project for me I mean, I, that's a funny project you know because many years ago probably 15 years ago i had worked on that project when i was working for another agency and i remember i did it for years and i thought man i'm probably never going to see that thing again and then when it came back through believe it or not i was like uh, just trajectory i thought i'm probably the right person to do this project because i actually have an understanding of what the, what it takes to make this thing work well so now it's not that hard but it, i tell you every time i do that project it but opens you really my took eyes it to a new level there it's a fun uh, project yeah, now yeah. you know you can it's it's much and i and i guess the, the layperson doesn't understand that as part of what the CVB does, it's a resource, yeah. and it's a resource for information. And what is more important, once you're here, is maybe you've got you know an app on your phone, but a lot of people want that piece of paper that's a map. Yeah, where is this at? Yeah. Let me see the and scope. And specifically to hotels, key tourism attractions, even hospitals and, you know, some of the other key things in the area that a visitor might need while they're here. Mm. So uh, it's important, I think, that, you know, I don't know when the day will come. I'm sure it will come. We won't have maps. <laughs> I'm going to hate that day because, yeah, Shelly, a lot of people a lot don't of know. people want maps. I'm a map collector. Yeah. Like, they laugh when I pull out my bag of maps. Yeah. It's, you know, two Look, feet Rand thick. Look, Rand McNally's made a living <laughs> out of it for a lot of people. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like to be able to lay it out and see the scope and i've yeah. noticed even with apps i um this happens a lot when you're zoomed in so close on an app and it's like oh you want you find a restaurant you want to go to if you don't have any scope you don't really see how close you are to it it could be oh well that's right down the road you know or, or not i like to be able to see like how complicated is it to get for, to this location not just how many minutes is it i want to know where I'm at in that vicinity and just get a good snapshot. And or they provide them to the hotels. They provide them to the attractions so that the visitor, wherever he goes, there's that tear-off map that yeah. he can find his way, even if he... You know, it's kind of dangerous to be using your phone. Uh, <laughs> And reading apps while you're driving. Of course, you can say, I'm not the driver. Sounds like I've done that before. And <laughs> it, is, it is important. And so I think that uh, it will be here for a while. And I'm happy. I know it. I'm I hate to pause the program, but I want to ask you something. Did you know that you can help me and my team at Parker Brand Creative Services grow the Find the Good News signal? For less than a fancy cup of coffee, you can become an Early Risers Club patron on our Patreon page. What's Patreon? Well, it's a way for creators to fund their projects by pooling support from those really passionate people that believe in what they're doing. Do you believe in what we're doing with Find the Good News? I hope you do. We believe that there's already enough negative news in the world, even right here at home, and that good people doing good works deserve a platform to speak from too. 
That's why we created Find the Good News, and we believe in that simple mission. Maybe you believe in it too. If you do believe in finding and sharing good news, then head over to our Patreon page right now or check out the link in the show description. For a commitment of $3.33 a month, you can join the Early Risers Club of Find the Good News Patreon supporters and get access to the B-Sides, a patrons-only podcast with the crew behind Find the Good News, Parker Brand Creative Services. Each time we level up, the Patreon rewards will get bigger. If you're tired of old news, bad news, and fake news, help support Find the Good News at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. That's patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. Now, back to the episode. I have a little travel uh, habit that I make. I usually ask for something. When I go out of town, I usually ask for something like that, a walking map or just, and most places will have one. And what I like to do is I just, I make just little pencil marks or highlight markers of the places I've been. And I draw like my little walking path. If I ever pass away and my kids dig through my papers, they'll find little folded maps of places I've been and just like they'll find your treasure. They'll see where I walked. You know? <laughs> and I, I just something about that's kind of neat to me. Yeah. To, yeah. You know, maybe I didn't see everything, but this is the path that I took, you know? So I think that kind of stuff's great. You know, I agree. So in all these years, I know you've, uh, you've been, I guess recognized a lot. I mean, a lot. But there's one thing that I haven't got to see yet that was a recognition that I just am. It's on my list of things to do, and that's there is an animatronic of you at the Mardi Gras Museum in Lake Charles, and that was a surprise, right? She looks really good too. I haven't seen her. I'm very proud of her. Her, she's got very nicely coiffed red hair. (laughs) (laughs) What does that feel like? It was a little daunting when I heard they were going to do it, but I knew that Ann Molazon and the Mardi Gras Museum board do things really well, and they're constantly updating. And so I was very humbled by it. So yeah, yeah it's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I, and it I, tells you to go to the CVB. That's what I heard. <laughs> is it? Your, is it actually your voice? It is. They recorded me. Did you know when you were recording it? It was for yes, that. I oh, did. okay. I did. How neat is that? Because yeah. you know, I mean, that Mardi Gras museum's got some really cool stuff yes, in there, it does. and it's going to be there it's a, a long time. Beautiful things. I mean, you're immortalized in there, and it's one of the top attractions as well in terms of our museums where people want to go and yeah see all of that. You know, oh, I'm it's Mardi Gras here, three hundred. 65 practically days of the year except for the few days that they're closed to be quite honest i mean that's probably my favorite thing about mardi gras i know that and that's probably silly to other people they, they like the parades and the mm-hmm. the balls but for me i actually just like to go in there and look at the art i mean to me those costumes are just incredible yes, art. yes they are and and the history the way they've changed and complexity so much work so much talent just in that one museum. That's something we didn't have back in the day. Over 60 Mardi Gras crews. Wow. What did Mardi Gras look like back in 1988? Very small. And we worked very closely with Mardi Gras to bring it up to a larger scale. Yeah. Then it it just bloomed and blossomed and there were all of these folks starting Mardi Gras crews and I want to say that Ann Molazon was there to help people 
start their Mardi Gras crew and and tell them how to do it and the best way to do it. And we worked to make some of the Mardi Gras. We didn't have a lot of uh, events that the public could attend, and that's something we wanted to work with her and their group on. Is and you know then we had Twelfth Night come around and we had the Mardi Gras gala come around. As those are opportunities to see all these costumes for the you know for folks that might not be a member of a Mardi Gras crew. This is just the wonderful opportunity you have to, uh, for a small fee, go and watch a parade of thousands and thousands of dollars that have been spent on these gorgeous costumes. Yeah. And uh, so we were excited. To, and there's even a couple of Mardi Gras crews that allow now the public to come to their presentations. Okay. They have to leave for their ball, but they can, you know, come in for their presentations. I know Crew de la Famille does that. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's a couple of others, I think. Uh, the Crew of Illusions does okay. it. And uh, this, does Cosmos do it? I think Cosmos does, Cosmos, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we got lucky last year. Uh, it was an interesting experience. Uh, we were hired to film a crew of contraband. And so it was well, a. They, uh, that's that's an old. It's old crew. Yeah. We filmed, you know, their kings toasting the, the yeah. queens toasting. All the kings wear beards. Yeah, they, it was old school yeah. in a lot of ways. Old school. Yeah, I didn't even realize that until later in the evening that that gentleman didn't. That wasn't his beard. <laughs> and then I saw them like putting it back on, and I said, "Oh, that's that's he wears the same costume, I guess that's been passed down, or probably uh, the cape, or has, the cape, or something." Know. Yeah. It was interesting though. I'd never really been. I'd never experienced one to uh, from the ground floor, so wow. to speak. You know, and go to every single thing yes, all the way through yes. and to be looking at it in that way. It's an investment for whoever Huge is production. going to be on the court. It really is. You for have sure. To think about that an investment of time and dollars, but it certainly is something. I think that. We have the second largest Mardi Gras in terms of crews next to New Orleans. Really? Yeah. We need a few more parades, and uh, we could say there's some cities that have more parades than us. I didn't realize but, uh, that. Yeah. But in terms of Mardi Gras crews and festivities, I think, other than parades, we're the second largest. Yeah. Wow. Well, and I wonder how many people are, are opting to do those types of, you know, come to cities like Lake Charles. I think who, it's family-friendly, and they are coming. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too, because, you know, you can go experience Mardi Gras New Orleans is a special type of uh, Mardi Gras experience I mean it's not for everybody altogether I mean like you couldn't bring your family and experience that I mean you know that's just my opinion of it but I mean Lake Charles is definitely friendly family family. friendly absolutely and there's a lot for everybody to do and there's rules about that you know the the Mardi Gras of southwest Louisiana has made sure that the parades are uh, are family friendly yeah. and as far as music and everything that happens on that float you yeah. can be fined and you know and so it's oh, very, really oh yeah oh yeah they are very serious about making sure that they're they're they have the curb appeal yeah you know so. well isn't that something i mean i did not know that so yeah. that's actually uh, another testament to how awesome it is yeah. because you know you can still pull off this really robust Mardi Gras with all the same variety of experiences that you would expect without having to cross a line. And then you've got the really rural Mardi Gras in Iowa. Actually, it's the one where they chase the, the chicken, chicken run. The chicken yeah, run. There you go. Yeah. And they, you know, they have had a lot of great publicity. I mean, the cover of um, Louisiana Life magazine and on and on. To 
people. About, about Mardi Gras, what surprised me recently is I, I, I have some algorithms that I set up through a particular reader to feed me tour and travel information. And uh, every time Mardi Gras comes around, what I've been surprised by is how many places way outside of Louisiana are now making their own Mardi yeah. Gras. You know, yep. even up in um, one of my favorite places to go is Grand Lake, Colorado, and they have a Mardi Gras there. And I was like, Wow, what does this look like? Mardi Gras in California, yeah, you know, Mardi Gras in Texas, and then, but what's cool, I think, is that they're they're calling it Mardi Gras, and it's like a parade and all that still, but it's got a little bit of the cultural flair of that community Im- embedded into it. It's kind of neat. There's a bunch of folks here that every Mardi Gras they go up to Colorado, and they bring Mardi Gras there. Hmm. Uh, Hal McMillan and a, a bunch of folks. Hal's Pals is what they call Really? Them. And there's probably 40 or 50 of them that go up there and ski and bring beads and have well, a band. Neat. And I've, we've always been working during Mardi Gras. So one of these days, I'm going to go with Hal's Pals. No and joke. See what's going well, on up now there. you can do that. Yeah. That, yeah. That's probably yeah. nice. We've never I, seen snow that deep. So, man, I've never been skiing before, but I do love the I won't be. And if, the if I did anything, it would be, uh, you know, it wouldn't be skiing it would yeah. be a snowmobile but, i definitely um, like the fresh air of the mountains i'm not gonna lie it's yeah, one of my definitely the coldness the cool yeah, air that's why i liked san francisco because yeah. it was always cool and crisp well you got to travel a lot with this in these last 30 years i did yeah would you think you think you'd had that opportunity without being connected to this uh organization i mean you just, i doubt that very seriously yeah. i mean travel you cannot go after the visitor without going out of town to get them so we were able to travel to different destinations to put forth a bid for conventions or for athletic events or we were able to go and set up a trade show booth and market the area uh, domestically and internationally most often if we did anything internationally it's in conjunction with the louisiana office of tourism and the new orleans cvb okay because it was made it much more affordable you know yeah. for us to partner it's it's been a, a wonderful it's been a wonderful life that i have been able to have in my hometown where i grew up i've been able to live here and love my job and love what I do, and certainly promoting and traveling was a, a big part of that. Are you reading my mind? Because I was sitting over here thinking, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. You're going to laugh, and I'm making this up. I was sitting there going, I know what I'm going to ask you next. Well, how, how does love factor into these last 30 years of what you do? And you, you just used the word love twice. Yeah. Uh, Another time that I really remember thinking this way, uh, just something so simple, is I was driving to work one morning, and I went underneath the I-10 bridge, and I looked up and I saw the lake, Mm. you know, shimmering in the morning, and I, gosh, I'm so lucky to Mm. live here. I love this place. Yeah. You know, and most folks take a lot of things for granted. And, you know, it took probably me moving away and having a postage stamp size yard and not being able to own my own home because the rent and the cost of living there was so high Mm. and not having family. Everybody was 3,000 miles away, you know, to realize what I really wanted was what I had left behind. 
And so to be able to move home and then come back and sell my area to the world, I mean, I couldn't have asked for anything more than that. I've been very lucky and very humble to have had that job at the CVB for 31 years. Yeah. You've you've left, uh, you've changed, and I know you've had people with you along the way. Oh, but, absolutely. But you, you really have a, a legacy. I mean, I, I wrote this down before you got here because I was trying to think of different things that just really stood out to me, and I, I will tell you a, a story to kind of illustrate this. Uh, and, and again, it gets into taking people for granted, too. Like, I sometimes when you get in a working relationship with people, you're not always connected to them personally. You don't always get to have that opportunity. And I'm, I'm very, I'm that way. I'm very intimate. I like to, I like to uh, always dive off with people, you know, and get close to them, especially when I'm working with them. And uh, I always had regretted that I'd never really got to sit down and all those years and talk to you. And it, and it hit me one day when I was out of town uh, someone had called us to do some work out of town and we don't get a lot of out of town work but it was in kind of a travel historic kind of category and the reason they called us because they had seen something we had done for you guys and so I went and took the meeting and you know I'm, I could get egotistical and go oh they're hiring us based on the merits of our own work but the first thing they said in the meeting was, so I understand that you work with Shelly Johnson. And I was like, wow, they didn't say the Southwest Louisiana Convention of Visitors Bureau. They didn't say we love this work you did, which eventually they, they got into some version of that. But the very first thing was you work with Shelly Johnson. And I go, yeah, yeah, we work with Shelly. I mean, I, I, I guess, yeah, we do. We work with Shelly. And she said, they said, well, that just says a lot in itself. And then we moved on into the meeting and I, I left and came back and I told my wife, I said, the first thing they said was you work with Shelly. That says a lot. And I was like, wow, dude, that's a lot of gravity for one person to have. She was tough. Wasn't she? Uh, no, what, <laughs> no, what I, what I meant was that you carry, no, I there, you know what I mean? There's like a, a legacy presence about you that, that surrounds you. And obviously people in other areas, it, it had never really, I guess I had an intellectual understanding of who you were and what you had accomplished, but it wasn't until it was like face to face and this person I'd never met before says your name next. It was your name. And that name meant a lot to them. And that was just a powerful thing. Well, I think one of the wonderful aspects of working in the tourism industry is that even though we have our competitors statewide, regionally, nationally, we have uh, you make a lot of friends and when i did retire i was the next to baton rouge and i really won't count him because he worked in new orleans and not as a cvb director before he went to baton rouge i'll count him because he'd get mad if i didn't <laughs> uh, i was really uh, at that time in my life was the person with the most length of service and Louisiana is very fortunate in the fact that we are legislated convention and visitor bureaus. We're not a political football that every time there's a new mayor or a new, you know, administrator, or of we don't change. We 
are very fortunate that if you do a good job and you are productive, then you can keep your job for a while. Mm. And so that's always, you know, if you're not productive, you will not. Mm. But I had that length of service and I have a lot of um, uh, wonderful friends and I was so surprised at how many of them came to the uh, National Tourism Week luncheon, which uh, was just out of this world this year. And it was my last uh, hurrah. Uh Uh, It was sort of recognized as my retirement. Mm -hmm. uh, And but those are friends for life. And that's the wonderful thing about the tourism industry is I have made friends for life. And still communicate with them and probably will visit some in their homes and, you know, because that's the kind of job it is. It's, I mean, we have to sell hospitality. We have to be hospitable. Yeah. At the same time, you know, you've made all these wonderful friends doing it. I love that. I love what you just said there. You have to sell to sell hospitality you have to be hospitable i mean sometimes we can try to fake it but more authentic Mm -hmm. is whenever you really are you know i'll share a little secret with you i don't know if you even know this but you know that you're uh, at that luncheon they had contacted me many weeks before that and started sending me pictures for the slideshow Oh my goodness! Yes, and that so, slideshow was unbelievable. So I, I had, I, I, I made that here, and there were days. I mean, I didn't know all those people, but there were times that I would uh, sit and edit that, and I would sit there and just get teary eyed because I was like, I mean, I'm being honest. I would just sit there and go, "Wow!" I could feel the tears of love, really swelling up in me just seeing this hit your your history with the convention it was so wonderful thank you so much oh i felt honestly honored to have been it just was such uh, a wonderful thing to see you know kind of a a pictorial history of my life (laughs) wiping away the tears oh they did such a good job with whether the way they organized it they picked all the songs and they they had a clear vision of what they wanted and it was just nice to sit here and and my wife you know she watched it with me before we sent it off to him and and she was like oh there's going to be a lot of a lot of people and we're here crying over here you know (laughs) and i'm going okay and we're not even the ones in these pictures so what's it going to be like that staff at the cvb uh, really fortunate to have had a wonderful staff many of them have been there 10 15 20 years and they do remarkable work Mm -hmm. and now with kyle uh, edmonston at the hill i see them i see it now i see them just moving and uh, grooving and cooking and booking and doing all sorts of fabulous things and that's just going to continue so it's a blessing i mean i I left it in good hands, and the people there um, are treasures that, yeah. that work at the Bureau. Many yeah. people don't realize uh, the talent under that roof, under two roofs, actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's really been a an honor, honestly. Well, thank to, you. To, to have gotten to work too. with you. Really? For me, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We, we I think, learned a lot. We think highly, highly of you. I learned uh, a lot working with you. It's been, sure. you, you said something a minute ago that I thought, man, that's, that's what I want. What you said, and I don't know exactly how you said it, but it's if you are productive, you know, then consistently, then you'll get an opportunity to keep your job. Mm-hmm. And that's something we've always wanted to be. I've never have been big on flash. 
I've always been big on can we do this and make it happen and get it done reasonably well. And constantly moving and I mean, look at this today. Just do something. Let's I mean, make something bring something, something to new. life. The good news. Yeah, good news. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, and that's partly another thing I wanted to why I wanted to get you in here because I want I want I want people I want them to understand the full scope of what the CVB is and what what you mean to that to the history of uh the convention and visitors well, bureau. I hope we've shared that today. I think so. Okay. And I'm happy This episode's Fishing for Goodies Fishbowl sponsor is Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center in Sulphur, Louisiana. I don't know what you look for when you travel, but one of the things I look for when I'm putting together my itinerary is a unique museum or gallery in the city I'm traveling to. I do this almost every time I go to a new city, but if I'm being honest, I'm guilty of not always doing that very thing right here at home in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's really a shame because we have one of the most interesting, historically relevant, and culturally rich corners in any city in the country about two minutes from where I'm sitting right now. I'm talking about the Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center. Have you ever really thought about why our city is named Sulphur? They've got a permanent exhibit on the history of the sulphur industry that answers that simple question and more. You really get a full scope of just how important the sulphur mining industry was to the development of Southwest Louisiana and the impact it had on the rest of the world. Yes, the rest of the world. On the same property, right next door to the museum, is the Henning Cultural Center, presenting some of the most interesting, modern, and culturally relevant local art shows I've ever seen. My dear friend Tom Trahan and the Brimstone Historical Society have really worked hard to give us this treasure, and it's a multifaceted jewel that I plan to take advantage of more often. You don't have to wonder what their hours are, or how to get there, or what shows are coming up. Just go to brimstonemuseum.org, like I did, and subscribe to their mailing list right there on the homepage. That's brimstonemuseum.org. Tom will make sure you start getting the announcements for each and every new show at the gallery. But you don't have to wait for the mail to arrive to enjoy this historical local treasure. You don't have to be guilty, like me, of overlooking a local wonder that conveniently sits next to the Grove, one of the most beautiful walking parks in southwest Louisiana. Drop in and say hi to Tom for me. Tour the museum and center, and make sure to tell Tom that you heard about Brimstone Museum on Find the Good News. Now, let's take that dive in the fishbowl. So if you listen to this show, then you kind of know that we have the fishbowl thing at the end. Do you know about that? Yeah. Okay. So that's what we're going to do now. Okay. So, if you, so what you do is, this is the, the famous fishbowl. You draw three of whatever you want out of there there's some big cards small cards little slips of paper i do tell people what the difference is the big cards are would you rather so it's like would you rather bacon or would you rather ham or whatever um the small cards are like sort of just uh maybe thought ideas and then the little slips of paper are actually submitted by listeners to the show and that's you can tactile Pick your way through the bowl and pick what you want out of there. Just read. Just read, read it. One? Yep. Just read whichever one. Would you I want. rather give up meat or give up vegetables? Hmm. As somebody that loves Southwest Louisiana food, that's a tough call. I like them both. I don't think I could be a vegetarian. Yeah. 
and we talked a little bit about the tours that we bring in. It's really hard to entertain vegetarians in southwest <laughs> Louisiana. Right. So I would say I would, if I'm going to live here, I would say I would have to give up vegetables, although there goes my homegrown tomatoes. Oh, man. But you know, I mean, yeah, I was sitting there as you said that. I thought, okay, so here comes the guy with the big, the crawfish carriage, and he pours them out on the table, and there's crawfish in there, but then there's corn and potatoes. If you got to give one or the other, but I guess crawfish does that fall in the yeah? I would say it falls in because it's not a vegetable. Yeah, I don't believe it's a creature. I I I used to be a vegetarian, and I didn't eat uh, fish or any sea creatures during that time period. It was a long time ago, but. My rule was if it has a face, I'll I'll consider it off my, you know, diet <laughs> lineup. My granddaughter was decided to be a pescatarian. Now what's that? Only eats fish. Only eats and fish. So okay. um we were at a restaurant and I said, Okay, what kind of fish do you eat? And she says, You know, the kind we had back home. She uh, was about ten. Uh, the kind <laughs> so, we had back home, whatever the kind that was. We had back home. <laughs> okay, let's have a, a flatbread pizza then. So a <laughs> so, pescatarian, I've yeah, never heard of that. Yeah. I am at the oh, look in. She's into real that. smart, so I have to it takes a lot to keep up with her. Wow, pescatarian. Now, <laughs> it didn't I could, last long. I could probably do that. If I could have fish, if if I had to make that choice and it was just okay, I can have fish and i had to give up other meats i could probably deal i mean i don't eat a lot of red meat anyway but uh fish i would have a hard time i would have a very hard time giving up seafood yeah i like i like all of it really yeah what's this is i'm asking you to think of your whole life now okay in southwest louisiana what do you what meal that you've had stands out in your mind my mother was not cajun really my mother was the daughter of a rice farmer. Really? And so we had a lot of country okay. kind of soul food. You know, gotcha. Roast rice and gravy. Yeah. I didn't yeah. have crawfish till I was an adult. Yeah. Now we had crabs. We went crabbing and, you know, um, and we had shrimp. Yeah. But not gumbo. Really? Not. It was always boiled. Wow. You know. So, so is that what you think of when you think if of... If I think of my go-to meal, and I, you know, it's always mama's cooking, mm. I would have to say chicken and dumplings. Really? Yeah. I like chicken and dumplings. And but I haven't not had the homemade drop ones. kind. They have to be rolled out and, yeah. you know, My dad said strip. the same thing. He said the same thing. Send strips. I think that's something. <laughs> I love chicken and dumplings, but it's hard at a restaurant to yeah, get them you can't like, really yeah. good. I always have to ask too many questions if I see them on the menu. So, yeah, <laughs> Me know. too, so man. So that's probably not a good thing. But I my like sister that. can make them. She can. She's got my mom. She can make the recipe. So isn't that funny? Because someone yeah. when people ask me like that last meal type question, I always go to things that my mama cooked too. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. My mom made the best meatloaf. Oh. Meatloaf, and she put olives in it. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, dude, that's meatloaf with some mashed some of her mashed potatoes and gravy. I could just that that and they weren't any flakes either. Those mashed <laughs> no, potatoes real. were flakes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we had the real thing. Man, that sounds good. Now I'm thinking about a roast and some rice and gravy. Uh-huh. Man. Mm-hmm. See, I like these questions. And that's why the garden uh, vegetables are, we, being that she wasn't, you know, she grew up on a rice farm. She We grew a lot of vegetables in the backyard. Yeah. So I'd always tell her, save room for the merry-go-round because, you know, we got, we'll have some play space. Mom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not just Tilling farming. Up the, she was from Gillis, and so she would till up the whole backyard with 
her garden makes me think of my grandmother when she was able that was she she lived in her garden and so as a kid i spent almost all all of my childhood there my parents working and so yeah i was eating whatever she was growing i mean cucumbers squash tomatoes you know satsumas figs it was always something coming out of the garden and okra you know green what do they say that three to four meals a week are from the land here yeah, you know, I mean, if you, wow. you buy shrimp or if you buy fish or uh, crab or even vegetables, I mean, a lot of you know, especially during the season. Isn't I mean, that something just, about living here yeah, too? That we yeah. take you go somewhere else and you realize uh, a lot of that is I never shipped knew, in. Yeah, I never knew that what farm to table. I mean, we had farm to table. Yeah, you know, that's I mean, a reality. Yeah, Some places yeah. are having to bring that into yeah. their communities. That's literally how it is here, especially with seafood. What is something you'd like to grow instead of buying? Oh, my gosh. What, a, what are the I've odds? <laughs> well, I'm going to move away from things to eat. <laughs> Trying to think of more about dieting. I would say flowers. I really love fresh flowers. Do you? What's your favorite flower? I love zinnias. Yeah. Uh, but I love anything seasonal. I mean, oh, yeah. I pretty well have to have a couple of seasonal pots on the front door yeah you know i just got mums this week for oh, the you? uh for october and november you know the fall that yeah. always represents the fall to me so i would say it would be flowers that's nice i don't like to grow i don't like to go and buy a bunch of flowers i'd rather buy a pot of flowers yeah and i'm the same way you know, i love have them for a while I love things that grow. I love nature. I love plants. I'm not, um, I don't have a green thumb. I have struggle. No. I'll tell you a funny story, just short, funny story. Maybe it's not funny. It may be sad. Uh, we went to the Bumon Buddhist temple over in Port Arthur. This, they have their big garden festival. And so when you, have you ever been there? No. It's really neat. I mean, it's a short drive. They do it every year and you can go there and it's a beautiful garden and you can buy anything there anything that's growing they'll sell you and that's how they raise money for their temple and so we bought some lotuses and i was like oh, i've always wanted a water lily that we could have in the yard and so we the guy said well you need to dig a hole and they kind of told me how to make a little tiny pond for it so i was all excited I had this big vision you know i was going to have this little lotus pond in my yard so i get home and i dig the hole and uh a lot of work digging a hole i hadn't dug a hole in a long time so i dig the hole i line it like they told me and he said just every day put a little bit of those you know the little balls the little food you put in you throw it in the water with the mud because it's really all you got to do that'll the mud and the water and that little bit of feed and so (laughs) they were growing and doing really well and i was walking over there to put my little spoon of that feed in there and i tripped and i spilled like half of the bottle of that feed in there and i mean in within a day they just, you know how you can burn your plants with yes. that food? The water, I guess, just absorbed all that food. And all my beautiful lotuses just turned oh. black and then crumbled. And I told Michelle, I said, "That's it's funny because it's just the way it goes sometimes. <laughs> you know, I buy this lotus. <laughs> these big dreams. I am gonna went over to this beautiful Buddhist temple and I've got all these ideas about growing these things. Can you and, order some online? Well, I think I'm just going to drive back over there. Because uh. it's like, yeah, I think you can go buy them anytime but uh-huh. they just kind of have their big festival to promote it but uh they have all kinds of neat things there they, they make a whole day out of it you get some vietnamese cooking oh and, wow yeah it's neat it's I love neat vietnamese cooking. beautiful statues there i mean wonderful place if you like flowers uh-huh. lots of variety of flowers what month is it in 
it was in the summer so i want to say it was at the front end of the summer so may probably june or july it was hot but it was pretty good day mm-hmm. beautiful blue sky day i would go back i'm probably going to go every year i think that's we got a little tree but that's yeah that's something you might enjoy ways to solve a professional problem you're currently facing oh my goodness well that's interesting for someone that is retired retired yeah well i am doing some volunteer work relative to tourism right now so um i think it's not all about the money Mm -hmm. you know it's about helping people so one of the ways that i'm continuing to work is through volunteering really and uh, for a while yeah until i can get out there a little bit more and face the grindstone again yeah i don't want to work you know full-time sure it's kind of funny i always said you know i was always envious of teachers because they they work very hard, but and, but they did get the summer off. Sure. And so one of the things in the hospitality industry, you tend to work a lot of hours. Right. And I don't think I took, in the 31 years, um, two weeks off at a time. Yeah. Except for maybe a couple of times, just because there was always something going on. So uh, I took the summer off, you know. I didn't, mm-hmm. haven't done a whole lot. I worked around the house and... Um, did a little bit of traveling here and there, mainly in state. Yeah. So I think the way to solve my professional problem that of getting back out there is to figure out when the right time is going to be for that. Yeah. And enjoy life as it is for right now. Well, what's it feel like? I mean, I'm curious about this because this, this I talk about this all the time, which is the the unnatural rhythm of the professional world it's very you just said it i mean when when other people are off that's when you're on yeah right especially in hospitality i'm sure when yes. other people are off you're you're working or trying to get to that point uh that's a strange pace to work at and when you're in that for 30 years 30 plus years and then you've had this time off how much time does it take for that clock in you to reset you know it's been very different it really really has in the very beginning i think i felt a little depressed you know i can see uh, that about that and saying you know well what am i going to do today and you know what what is there that i have to you know i'm very task driven so right you know so my list what is going to be on my list today right and uh so it's taken a little bit to finally get back into the groove of saying it's okay not to do a whole lot you know and do what you think of one good thing you want to accomplish today do it well and sink yourself in that's something that i would i wish dearly i could figure out how to do and still function and in the way that we have to function i do wish that or you could just sink in and go let me do this thing really well and with total mindfulness and awareness it's hard to do that. it's hard to do that when you're working and multitasking yeah you know that's what's gone 
is that multitask. I mean, I'm, I can certainly have a lot of multitasks around the house, but I've never been very domestic. So <laughs> I've enjoyed reading. I've done for the first time ever some binge television watching. Oh, wow. And Can I ask um, you what you've been binging? Well, I have been binging on Bosch. Oh, yeah. Uh, I That's on Amazon seen, or something, uh, right? Yeah, or, yeah, I had never seen anything, uh, any of that. And yeah. I just totally got into it. And Longmire. Yeah. yeah it's been out two. a while, too. Yeah, There's a lot been, of that oh, to watch. Yeah, yeah, I watched it for a while when it was on television, and then it went away. And so I've done a little bit of that, and I've, I've enjoyed that when I have the, the time to, yeah. to do that. It's nice. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it reminds me of something my mom and I were talking about because I told you, you know, about her knee and her, yeah. and her leg. And so she gets stays at home a lot. And I went over there one uh, one Sunday and it was just she and I talking. It was so quiet. And I sat there for a little while and where she's at, I saw the light kind of moving across the floor as we'd talk and through the blinds. And I told her, I said, God, how nice it must be to just watch the light move across the floor. And I was sitting there looking at it like what a treasure and then yeah, she, she said she goes you get sick of the light moving across the floor <laughs> so it just shows you we need a little healthy dose yes, of both you know and so when you, you said that little light depression sets in i i know what you yeah, mean because when yeah. i get too much when i get time off that first day it's hard for me to get out of that what's next mode what's on my task list mode who do i have to talk to today and what needs to get done before five all that it's nice when it does start to get its fingers out of you a little bit though yeah yeah, yeah, that's why I think the volunteerism is is helping a lot. You know, little projects. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you're helping people. Yeah. That, that, that's what it's all about, giving back to each other. I love that. There is a couple more things on this okay. show. This last, the, the last thing is that box sitting right next to you. Something new we added here about five or six episodes ago called Better You in a Box. And so what these are is just like challenges we can make to ourselves. But what I've had or, or to the listeners, and I've asked each guest to just draw one and read it. And it's and listeners, if you're listening, you know what this is all about. This is a challenge to me and to you to... Uh, to possibly take in our life something to shake us out of our normal routine sign up to sponsor a child wow yeah now we we do that already we do we um there's something called compassion international have you heard of that So Compassion International, what they do is you sponsor a child in another country and it's basically you provide education, money to a school so they can get like a regular education, get reading, writing books. But over the years, you follow that child from uh, five years old all the way through high school. And you get to send they send letters back and forth with you pictures and you can uh, what what happened with our child that we had picked? He ended up being the same age as our son. Uh-huh. And uh, their birthdays are almost identical. And then when he sends us like little letters of things he likes, they, it comes through a translator. If you don't read their language, a translator uh-huh. will translate it uh-huh. for you. And come to find out, they have a lot of the same hobbies and interests. So it, at, on his birthday and the holidays, we can, you know, give him extra things and say, hey, we'd like for him to have these items, you know, because our little boy likes the same stuff. So it's kind of neat to that have. really is neat. Yeah, it is neat. They had a, we found it through late in Lake Charles. They had set up these in the parking lot at, uh, over on Oak Park and they set these trailers up. And so what you would do is that they had set it up like you could walk through another country 
and you chose which country you want to walk through and you kind of see what a child's life is like in those countries, you know, what their living quarters are like. And wow. And it really was uh, touched us so much. Like, you know, we should do this. I'll check it out. Yeah, I think it's a good program. I mean, they have all their stats and everything. You can go see where how much of the money goes where. So I liked it. I felt like the, a large proportion of what we were putting in. That's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. I think anybody listening, I mean, I, I advocate that particular uh, program pretty hard, heavily because they, they've done a good job of communicating. I chose my card by color. Did you? Mm-hmm. What color is it? It's kind of a cornflower blue. Yeah, it's would be a pretty flower. Mm-hmm. There's one last question. It's okay. On, it's on the back of that coffee mug, and that's your that yellow coffee mug right there. Oh, did anything good happen today? Well, I got to come here and talk to you. That was good. Yeah. I was looking was forward good. to this Me conversation. Too. Me too. I have been for a while. Well, thank you. We talked about it, and it kind of got pushed back for me for a little bit. I was very happy to finally get it on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm happy to have a calendar, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> and put things on it. <laughs> well, you've been putting things on calendars for a long yes, time. I'm a calendar girl. That's right. And everything that we all do. I mean, look, I go to these events and, and not just working with the CVB, but also going to the events. I mean, those calendars that uh, we all live by, a lot of the, that is built on a foundation that yeah, you're a part of for a long time. I still look at the time. festival calendar. Yeah. To see what I want to might and what might want to do this weekend or next month or if I have company coming in and Yeah. Yeah. I it's it's been an honor to have worked with you. It's been an honor to have you sit here and take Thank the time you. to do this. It's been an honor to work with you as well. I've learned a lot from you. We've learned a I absolutely lot. Absolutely, have learned a, a lot from you. I'm serious. We think about you all the time. Well, this has been fun. It's been fun just chatting, and it's you've made me feel like you know a, a good old friend. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Ted and Jody of Halos. If you found value in this conversation, consider supporting Find the Good News at patreon.com slash findthegoodnews. Share this episode on social media or leave an honest and kind review. That's how we take the signal back and make media positive again. I appreciate all of your support, but most of all, I thank you for pressing play.